Welcome to the Introvertpreneur Podcast. Take a breath because you are in the right place and you can finally stop apologizing for being an introvert. I'm Tara and I've discovered how to thrive as an entrepreneur while being 100% true to myself. Now I want to help you do the same. In these episodes, you're going to find everything you need to build a successful service-based business so you can stop competing with extroverts and grow and market your business with ease. Are you ready? Welcome back to another episode of the Introvertpreneur Podcast. I am so excited to have today's guest on with me. Emma Louise Parks is a business mentor and coach who helps introverts build profitable online businesses. And she is also the host of the really awesome podcast, the Ambitious Introvert Podcast, which I was recently a guest on. And it's one of my absolute favorite podcasts to listen to as an introvert. Welcome. I'm so excited you are here. Thank you. I didn't think we can ever have enough podcasts aimed at introverts because we do love a podcast, right? So true. I love listening to podcasts. I also do a lot of blog reading. So I love blogs that are focused on introverts, but podcasts for sure are awesome. And I do love that we both give a voice to introverts in this space, which I really feel like there isn't a lot of people that do that. It's so needed. I mean, I was kind of late to the party with the online space. I struggled for the longest time and I kept being told it was my mindset or it was this and that. It took me a while to realize, no, it's not. It's just because I'm introverted. I just do things a little bit differently. So I'd love for you to tell us a bit about your story, who you are, how you got started for anyone who isn't familiar with you and is listening right now. So as you said, I'm an online business mentor and coach for ambitious introverts and sensitive entrepreneurs. My journey is quite different from a lot of coaches. I think I got my first coaching certification about 14 years ago, just as something to do because it sounded interesting. Around four years after that, I started to coach in corporate. I was an air traffic controller for 17 years. I actually coached trainee air traffic controllers were my first students. So lots of strategy, lots of mindset. I was also a facilitator for discussions between controllers, pilots, cabin crew, all different aviation staff around safety things. So very, very different background, but still very focused on coaching and facilitation. And then I decided to bring the business online. I've been life coaching, I guess, is the best way to describe it, and executive coaching as a side hustle. And I decided in 2019 to bring it online. That's where my online journey started. And just over a year ago, I took it full time. So here I am. I feel like I've known you for a long time and it's actually surprising that it's been fairly recent for you that you've transitioned to online. Yeah, so recent. And it's only been, I say only, it's been almost a year that I've been working with introverts and sensitive entrepreneurs. Part of my issues, I think, earlier on was I really struggled to niche. And because I struggled to niche and was trying to create content for everyone and and talk to everyone, I just got so overwhelmed. And it came to me one day, it's like the most obvious thing for me to do is help the people that are a few months behind where I am now, the person that I needed a few months ago. So that's where I became. And here we are. Yeah, it's hard because I'm definitely multi-passionate too. I've transitioned to no longer offering one-on-one services, but I always found that hard to really niche down because I loved so many different things and I wanted to help so many different people. That was really something that I had to overcome as well. I think when you're a coach as well, you know, I've got 
two coaching certifications now, plus my NLP. And we're told that, you know, you can coach anyone to do anything. You don't have to have done it. So it's not like a mentorship role. And within my life coaching, I coached people to do all kinds of amazing things. And I loved that. I loved that diversity. So to come to the online space and be told, oh, you can only work with one kind of person on one kind of thing, that felt really restrictive. But the great thing for me is that niche and down means that I've attracted lovely introverts and sensitive entrepreneurs who I love, but I do still get to help them with such a vast array of things. I think it's almost like that once you're in the door, people open up and I do still get so fulfilled with everything that I get to help them with, which is great. What would you say, because I get this question a lot about introverts and how there is like a scale of how introverted somebody can be. And that's one of the topics that people really wanted to, when I first launched the podcast, dive into. I kind of struggle with that because I feel like I'm definitely on the high end. But do you feel like with your clients, like there's some that are introverts is a wide spectrum of people. You can have social anxiety and be a huge introvert, have those kind of mindset obstacles. And then there's the kind of introverts that they do love to go live and go on video. They just need to revert back and recharge their batteries. So I'd love to hear your take on that with working with different clients. It is really, really interesting. And all of my clients do the Myers-Briggs type indicator before we start working together. So they have the percentages of their introversion. So that's always really interesting for me to see. The highest I've had is 97. So pretty high. And some people are actually more around the middle, like 55% introverted. So a definite scale. I do have clients that video, reels, anything like that is just a hard no. I've got other clients that have YouTube channels and do reels almost every day. But I think we all kind of get lumped together a little bit online. And like you say, there are all these different types of introversion. I am not a socially anxious introvert. I'm not a nervous introvert in the slightest. I'm quite okay with public speaking. I'm fine doing video, except it tires me. So I am someone that has to batch it when I'm in the mood rather than just pop on and and go live. But equally, I enjoy consuming video of other people because I think as introverts, we love to check out someone's energy and their bodily language and all of those things. So I I do see the benefit in it. I think there are so many variations of being an introvert. The one thing that myself and all of my clients do have in common is that need to step away and that need to recharge alone. So important for introverts. So you will head towards burnout very quickly. I'd love to hear what is your favorite marketing method or channel that you use for your business as an introvert? I started off with Instagram only. I chose Instagram because I'm quite a visual person and I liked the idea of it being a very visual platform. And I found that I poured a lot of time into it and didn't really get much in the way of results. Definitely the best way for me of marketing my services has been the podcast for sure. So the podcast has definitely been the largest lead generator of everything that I do. I also love my email list. I email my Mm. list at least once a week. That's something that at the start of my business, I found, I felt a little bit like, oh, something you have to do. I have to grow my list. Mm. But the more I've gotten into it, the more I've actually really, really enjoyed it. And the odd thing is, as I steered much more towards the podcast and my email community and let Instagram take a back seat. I started to get a lot more traction on Instagram, which was the strangest (laughs) thing. It was almost like when I stopped 
trying with it so much, and I think maybe because I have guests on the podcast, they cross-promote, et cetera, that my Instagram, once I stopped trying to grow it, it actually grew really quickly. I love that you said that too, because I can't remember if it was last month or the month before, but I don't look at my business numbers enough. But I took the time out and actually dove into them. And I was like, I am spending so much time and energy on Instagram and I'm getting tons of engagement for the amount of time I'm putting into it. I'm not getting the actual people to my website or connections. And then I took a look and compared it to Facebook where I wasn't really putting much energy at all into it. And I had like 10 times the amount of traffic. So I was like, okay, I need to switch this up and put more of my attention to what is working right now. I do love Instagram though. It's a great way to connect with people more and build those relationships. But for the amount of time that you can spend on it, it's almost like you said, as soon as you stopped putting so much focus and time into it, that's when everything took off with it. It was crazy. And if I worked out maybe my first year in business, the ROI in terms of clients that I signed on there versus the amount of hours I spent, I would be in a lot of debt for sure. And I think that's an important point that you say about looking at our figures because we can feel like, oh, I'm on this platform a lot and I'm getting a lot of engagement. So it's working. But something that I do with all my clients is like, okay, your last three clients, where did they come from? Where did they find you? What was the sequence? And start to look at the places where they are naturally attracting clients with the least amount of energy. Because as introverts, especially, we have to be mindful of where we're putting our energy for sure. (laughs) All about the energy. I'd love to hear, what do you feel like contributed the most to your success? I would have to say a tie between I'm going to say niching down, but I don't mean that in a traditional way because I niched down. What I mean is getting clear on who I served and what I did because I was so overwhelmed before that, that I think the clarity and the simplification that that brought with it enabled me to really get clear, concentrate and take action. So niching down for for the clarity that it provided with me, but also the mindset 100%, not that I had a particularly bad mindsets around things, but realizing that that's work that I needed to do continually if I wanted to grow and realizing how quickly business goes and how quickly it changes that how I felt or thought six weeks ago isn't going to serve me for how I need to feel or think right now. I'm going to give it a tie between clarity and mindset work. Both of those so huge. (laughs) And I wanted to ask you, You have a really awesome Facebook group. So I wanted to mention that and give that a plug for anyone listening. So how do you feel about engaging and building up a Facebook community compared to say Instagram community in terms of like the time commitment or the energy? It's an interesting one because I didn't want to start a Facebook group, but my coach challenged me and I am very much, I will try something. And if I don't like it, then I don't continue, but I will give it a go. Quite early on when I started working with introverts, I I decided to run a challenge. Again, something I wasn't keen on doing, but I thought I'll give it a go. Challenge was a hard no after I was exhausted. It didn't provide the ROI on the amount of time and energy I put into it. So that was a hard no. But as part of the challenge, I opened the group. And for the longest time, I had about 10 people in my Facebook group. (laughs) And then as I started to mention on the podcast and, and more people joined, I found that it's not your typical Facebook group. I'm going to say, I don't go live in there. 
I don't really do any of these things that people have come to expect in a Facebook group. What I do is I share my long form content. I share the podcast. I share articles that I find and I have conversations with people. And it's a very small group. There's, I think there's about 250 people, but it's extremely engaged. And I'm getting now around maybe around 20 people a week asking to join. So I really feel like it's picking up some traction and I really love it. And I really find now that the connections and the conversation on there is so much deeper than on Instagram that I would say that is probably my favorite way now to connect with people over Instagram. I love that you focus your content on not going live and no master classes or all of that. Cause I feel like that really resonates with your audience. Like me as an introvert, I really love that in a group that there's no needing to be there to connect live. Like I have to keep it on my schedule and watch when things are happening. I really love that it's more organic and authentic. So I feel like it works with your personality and what you love to do, but it also works with your audience, which is fantastic. Yeah, it works both ways, partly because I know some people only dip into the group once a week because a lot of my audience are very mindful with their social media usage. So I want them to be able to catch up and read everything and not feel like, oh, I missed out because, you know, that live stream was was days ago by Mm -hmm. the written content is evergreen. So that's great for them. But also I'm very much about stacking habits and until I could say, right, I commit to going live once a week and I will do it every single week, I would never commit to it. Like once I committed to the podcast, it goes out every week. Once I committed to the newsletter, it goes out every week. So while there's that any kind of doubt in my schedule that I could do it consistently, I don't do it. So for me currently, it's a, it's a definite no. I so resonate with that because... <laughs> That was something I struggled with, with my membership. Originally, I was going to do like a weekly live Q&A and I was like, that's too much. I can't do that Mm. consistently. I don't want to have that scheduled every week. So I settled on one group coaching call per month and that works just fine. But I knew any more than that, I wouldn't be able to commit to it long-term and it wouldn't be sustainable for me. And I think that's something as introverts, like I... I know I like to know what I'm getting. I like to know what's on the label is in the tin as such. So mm-hmm. if I say to people, come into the group, this is what you get, or listen to the podcast, I release it every week, or sign up to the newsletter, it comes out every Tuesday and it includes this. Like That gives me a, a kind of safety in knowing what I get. I don't like to overpromise and underdeliver because I know mm-hmm. I hate it when people say, hey, join this course, it's got X, Y, and Z, and you get inside and it doesn't have it. So for me, I'd rather say like, this is what you get and know that I can deliver on that. I totally agree with that. And I love that you do that as well. That really connects with introverts in particular, the authenticity of being upfront of what they're going to get and what's included. I would love to go back to what you said about what contributed the most to your success and related to mindset. What do you feel like was your biggest mindset obstacle that you had to overcome or work on? We never overcome them. I feel like no. (laughs) (laughs) I knew I was a great coach. I had a lot of experience in coaching people. I didn't know if I was a great business owner. I had never done that. I'd been an employee for 21 years. So I think the transition to I'm actually running a business was a really, really huge mindset switch for me. Another one was understanding marketing because I didn't have social media until I brought the business online. I didn't 
have a personal account. Like I was the person that joined Facebook when I was 39. (laughs) So that was quite a culture shock. So there was certainly a lot of mindset work for me around that to understand that I wasn't just joining Facebook to put selfies on there and scroll and look at people's, you know, pictures of dogs or whatever, as nice as that is, because that's just something that had never interested me. I I like to be very private. I like to be away from tech. I was an air traffic controller, so I worked in front of a screen all day. So again, you know, I wanted to go home and read a book, not look at a laptop. And then the same when I got into this business, if I'm doing calls on Zoom or writing content, like I didn't want to get into that. Oh, I'm just spending all my day on social media. So I think the mindset of understanding that it's there for a purpose, it was there for my business and a way of marketing really separating those two out, that was a really big piece for me. So I didn't feel like I was just messing around all day. That would definitely be a uh, culture shock to first use it as you're launching a business. Because I know people struggle with that who have been using social media personally for a long time, and then they're switching gears into the business side of using social media. And that's enough of a shock. But that would definitely be something that you'd have to overcome and work on. Honestly, I I will tell you two stories from my first week on Facebook, which were hilarious. The first is someone friended me as soon as I joined. I joined because I became part of a coaching group and there was a private group in there. So I joined Facebook, friended the people in the coaching group and someone friend requested me. And I was like, typical INFJ. I was like, oh, I've got friends. I was like, so excited. And then so I sent this person a message and I was like, oh, thank you for being my first friend. And it was a bot. Oh. <laughs> and I had no idea that such a thing existed. And I was like, oh, she didn't reply. And then started overthinking and worrying and then looked at the account. And I was like, this looks weird. So it was a bot. <laughs> and then my coach at the time, who was an extrovert, said to me, really great way to get clients, go into Facebook groups and just, you know, start chatting with people and then like DM them and get into a conversation. <laughs> I was just absolutely horrified. I was like, on what planet can I go and do this? It, it was just the strangest thing ever. Yeah, that would be a hard no for me. <laughs> yeah. And of course now, like I said, I love my Facebook group and I'm active in other groups, but it's from a very different place of making connections and and giving value. But to actually be like, go into this group to find a client, it just felt like the worst thing in the world. That's hilarious. (laughs) I've been on Facebook for so long personally that I don't even remember like my first experiences. So I love that you have stories about your first Facebook friend request. That's awesome. (laughs) I'd love to hear what you would tell somebody who are at the beginning stages of maybe launching or growing their business and they are an introvert, like what number one tip you would give them or piece of advice? That it is a complete myth that you need to be online 24-7 to be able to grow your business. I think it's really easy in the early stages to look at other people's online presence and feel like you've got to be spending five or six hours a day on every platform, doing everything. And it's just not true. And that's where people get overwhelmed and burn out and give up. And rather than do one or two things really, really well, try to do kind of seven things and and not get anywhere. So I would say it's not always as it looks. People have help. People outsource things. People repurpose content. All of these things Mm -hmm. that you start to realize further along in your journey. But on day one, don't compare how your account looks or how much time you think you're spending online to someone else because you won't have the whole story at all. That is 
Amazing advice and so true. I know for me, even I still struggle with getting stuck in comparison, especially on social media. It can be hard when you see all of this content and everything that everyone who is amazing is putting out. It can be hard not to compare and start to doubt yourself. As introverts, we always have high standards for ourselves and we want to do things well. We always want things to look professional and be the best that they can. And certainly I have been held back by perfectionism. I know a lot of my clients are. And so you see someone else doing something and you you believe they're doing it better, that can stop you in your track. And Mm -hmm. so I think it is an important thing to note that we'll always compare and comparison can be good because it can give you inspiration and it can make you realize that someone else's success is possible for you, but it's just catching it before it becomes that, oh, they're better than me. So Mm -hmm. I can't do this. That's definitely something that I've struggled with too. As an introvert, I definitely got to the point where I was not putting stuff out there. Like I can't even tell you how many courses I have half done or 25% done. And then I just stopped and questioned why I was doing it or, you know, are people going to buy this? Should I even bother or should I do something else? And that was really my thought is like, if it's not perfect, I don't want to put it out there. But I love the saying that done is better than perfect. And I say that over and over again. Now, anytime I get into that, oh, I don't want to do this or Now I have an idea and I really am excited about it. I just let myself run with it. My team gets, I wouldn't say upset with me, but they're a little (laughs) like, um, what is Tara doing now? Cause I'll just, oh yeah. um, I just recorded and launched and set up the email campaigns and all of this. And we're doing a live workshop next week because I know if I don't do that and I just sit on it, then I'm going to get stuck in that it has to be perfect and I'm going to keep tweaking it. And and I think that's actually, sometimes we have to hold ourselves accountable in that way. Like you say of like, okay, we're doing it now. It's, mm-hmm. it's go because if we sit and overthink it, it won't get done. And that's almost the way that I was at the start with my content. I almost announced to people, I'm going to release this newsletter every week. or I'm going to release <laughs> this podcast because once I've said that, I know I'm not going to go back on it. So it almost like if it's not perfect, it's tough because I've told people it's coming. So it's Mm got to go. You're putting that out there and and holding yourself accountable. I would love to hear from you. I feel like it's almost a loaded question for introverts, but how long did it take for you to feel successful in your business? Around 18 months. And I would say it wasn't to do with any kind of financial markers or hitting any kind of big milestones or getting full with clients or anything like that. I think it was where, as I talked about before, this believing that I could be a business owner. I think once I really stepped into that identity and one of the biggest things for me and that I have my clients do is to separate themselves from the business. Because I think when you are a personal brand or a solopreneur, it's so easy to mix your self-worth up with the Mm -hmm. business results mean something about you. So that was some work that I did around, okay, I need to make a decision. What does the business need today? You know, maybe the business really needs me to send an email campaign, but then what do I need today? And really understanding that I'm a separate entity from it. So I think once I started to do that and I started to realize that I was making sound, solid business decisions, 
and taking the emotion out of it, that's when I felt successful because I understood that if I could keep doing that day after day after day, then success is just inevitable. That is awesome advice too. I feel like, especially with personal brands, it's hard to take yourself out of it sometimes so hard. And, and really get into that CEO mindset and separate the two for sure. It's so important. And I think is why one-on-one coaching is really powerful as well, because you've got someone else that cares about you and your business and is invested in it and wants it to succeed, but without the emotion. So, you know, I can Mm -hmm. overlook my client's business in a very objective way, whereas they go, I launched that and it didn't sell. So it means that I'm terrible. Whereas I just go, okay, you, you launched that and it didn't sell. Like what was wrong with the strategy? That's a very powerful asset. I definitely recommend to everyone to hire a business coach. Even if you are a coach, you need a coach. You yes, having a second person in your camp and really like you can't do everything. You can't handle your mindset issues and overcome obstacles and do all of your strategy. Like no one person can do everything. So having somebody figuring out what you need and hiring a business coach or mentor that can really help you dive even deeper is so valuable. I work with two coaches at the moment and I get so much, you know, of different things from both of them. And then that gets passed on to my clients as well and through my content and value. So I just think it's a, it's a great way to be. I've had people say, not particularly to me, but I've seen people's comments in Facebook groups or on Instagram, like, why do you have a coach if you are a coach? Or even in the virtual assistant space, why do you have a virtual assistant if you are a virtual assistant? (laughs) Well, I don't do everything. I do think that is a really, really valuable asset for anyone in business and feels like they're getting to the point where they need another set of eyes. They need accountability. They need support. It's so invaluable for your business. One of the great comments that I read somewhere is that Oprah has four coaches. And now I don't think anyone could say that she's not successful or intelligent or independent or strong or any of these things in her own right. But, you know, to actually get where she's been, she still works with four different coaches. And that just shows you that no matter how big you get, <laughs> you you can't do everything no matter what. No. You still need some help and some support and assistance. What type of clients do you typically work with? I know you work with introverts, but is there any, they're specifically business owners or e-commerce sellers or digital creators? Like, is there any specifics that way who you work with? There's not, no. And the interesting thing is that when I began niching towards introverts for business coaching, as well as mindset, I expected to get a lot of coaches and I don't have many coaches as my clients. So I do have some, I have co- some coaches and mentors, but I also work with agency owners. I work with bricks and mortar businesses, bringing their business online. I work with founders of nonprofits. I've worked with OBMs and VAs. So really, really vast array of people, which is great because it's so interesting and so interesting to see people's introverted traits and how they play out in, in various different industries. And that is a good point to bring up about niching down. Like you didn't niche down so far that you were into a very small box. You still work with a variety of business owners and type of businesses. There's just one set quality between them all that they are introverts. 
Exactly that. I've had photographers as well, graphic designers, interior designers, you know, brand strategy people. So the thing they have in common mostly is that they're online businesses, but for everyone is that they're introverts. I, I feel the same way. I was like, at one point when I was doing Pinterest management, I was like, I really love working with wedding photographers. So I was going to niche down towards that. And then I was like, oh, but I really love working with pet bloggers. And <laughs> so, you know, I, I love that there's different ways to niche down. You can niche down by your services, but still work with a variety of businesses. And you can niche down who you work with in just one area, like, like you do with introverts, like they have one quality in common. I feel like some people feel like niching, they have to like have one client avatar and that's it. Like that's exactly who the person is, the the age, the where they are, what type of business they have, what they do. And that's definitely not the case when it comes to niching. And that is what really put me off. Like I said at the start, when people saying you have to have a niche, you have to niche down, I thought it would be really restrictive. They were talking about working with someone between the age of 25 and 28 that goes to <laughs> yoga three times a week and reads this magazine and, you know, their biggest pain point is this. And I just thought, oh, wow, how boring. That's yeah. like, so incredibly boring. But yeah, my clients are so diverse, but they're all introverts. So I understand them. So it's perfect. So true. I really wanted to touch on niching because I feel like so many people struggle with that in, yeah. in business, like you, how you did at the beginning, like it has to be somebody between the age of 24 and 28 and they do this and they read this, <laughs> which there's, there's a lot of information out there about niching down. And if you want to niche down that far, I mean, all the power to you, but you don't, if you're worried about niching down, don't overthink it or think that it's going to box you into just one type of person. I would say it's actually opened things up for me in a in a weird way because once I decided that it was introverts and sensitive entrepreneurs, once I wrote content, it connected with people in such a different way. And because I was my mirror client as such, I'd been where they were, it was just very easy for me to write about my experience and how I'd overcome it. And people literally started messaging me and saying, I feel like you're in my head and, oh, this is so great. I needed to hear this today. All the kind of things that when I was just doing generic coaching, I'd put content out and it was crickets. So mm -hmm. definitely by niching down, it opened up a lot too. It's so powerful once you find your niche. And one other thing I feel like people struggle with is that they feel like if they niche down, then they're stuck in that. Forever. <laughs> they yes. can't ever change it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and pivoting is a real thing in business. Like you can pivot so many times in so many different ways. So you are never stuck in anything, even if you do decide to niche down then you find that you've outgrown that niche or you want to help other people that you recently discovered, you can pivot, you can change things up. There's no rules. <laughs> it's great, isn't it? And I've seen that from just being in the online space for just over two years now that some people that I followed, maybe I bought their courses or, you know, watched their webinars in the early days. They've changed two or three times since, like completely changed what they do. I remember someone was all about LinkedIn and now they're about high ticket sales because obviously, you know, they had the experience of LinkedIn, but then they built their own business, sold more high ticket and thought, oh, okay, I want to help people do this. So on the surface, it looks a bit like, oh, that's completely different. But I think it's just a natural evolution as you're in business. Yeah. As you grow, like your services and who you work with and everything can, can change and grow for sure. 
the best one I saw was someone that I followed that was a copywriter. One day she put a post up and she said, I've just decided to change and I'm going to do what I love. So um, I'm now a medicinal herbalist. That's awesome. <laughs> I was like, that's great. She was like, oh, I, I, you know, I, I've been training to do it and I did it on the side, but now I've decided that's what I do. So it's just completely like burnt down a copywriting business to do that. And that was great. Find your authentic voice and follow what you love to do. That's like, I have changed my business so many times over the years. I started as a virtual assistant and I offered every service under the sun because I love so many different things. I was doing blog writing, social media management, search engine optimization, website design, graphic design, because I just loved everything. And I have experience with everything. And I was like, I really love doing all these different things. But then I got to the point where it was like, okay, I'm being hired to do a lot of search engine optimization work. And it's really boring when you're doing it, (laughs) like so much of it. So I eliminated that. And then I focused on just the design work and the creative work that really lit me up. And then I pivoted again on who I was working with. Originally, I started with e-commerce businesses and now I'm working with mostly service providers and virtual assistants. Pivoting is is great. You're you're never locked into anything. Hundred percent. Something that came up for me when you were saying that as well is you get to decide what services you provide and and for how long. So like you say, oh SEO, and I got so bored, I don't I don't want to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. I've got clients that some of their packages are four weeks long, and I've got other clients that their packages are twelve months long. You can depend on what you do and who you work with. You can create it how it best serves you and your clients. You know, you don't have to say virtual assistants, for example, a lot of them are, you know, or five hour a month retainer or a 10 hour or a 20 hour. Well, if you don't want to work like that, you don't have to, you could, it's your business. Mm -hmm. You get to do it your way. Exactly. And you can always change it. You can change it. However many, I wouldn't suggest changing it like nonstop. um, (laughs) Yes. That would get a little confusing, but yeah, you're never locked into anything. So just follow what you love to do and, and what you enjoy in the moment. At one time, I did really love the search engine optimization work. And that's what I was kind of known for. And people were really reaching out to me for. And then I just got so much of it, so much of that work that it was just like, oh, I don't want to do this day after day after day like Mm. this. So at first I limited my packages and I had a wait list. And then I was like, yeah, I just, I don't want to do this at all. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. You're like, yeah, no. Yeah, that's that's a hard no for me. I've done enough yeah. of that. That's I'm I'm moving on to other things <laughs> that are more exciting to me at this point in time. And I think having hard no's is really important as an introvert and also like understanding that they change because I had hard no's at the start of my business and I tried them out once and went, "Oh, actually this is okay. I can I can do this." And there are other things that I thought I would give a go to, but the amount of energy I expended on them, they became hard no's through trial and error. So, I think mm-hmm. it's having that adaptability, but once you find what works for your energy and what doesn't, being very very clear. One of my coaches, she has an autoresponder on her email and it has a list of her hard no's. So it's like, if you've emailed me to ask me any of these, they're a hard no. So (laughs) basically like, don't email again and and we're not going to reply to you because it's just a no. That's a good idea. I might have to do that. She says it with a little bit more love and tenderness than I probably portrayed there. But you know, it's, it's pretty clear that if you get that, 
and you know, you've asked to be a guest on her podcast and she's just said, this is a hard no, I'm not accepting guests. You're probably going to go, oh, okay. You know where you stand. And I feel like that's something that introverts struggle with is setting boundaries and being firm sometimes. I don't know about the majority of introverts, if it's like an overall introvert trait, but I am definitely a people pleaser. And I really struggled with saying no for the longest time. And now I unapologetically say no (laughs) whenever I want to. Um, I have no problem saying no, but that is something that I really struggled with. I can tell that you've worked with that because your body language was solid when you said that. I unapologetically (laughs) say no. It's so important. I was very similar at the start. I would try and bend over backwards for people and especially with scheduling and things like that with time zones. I'd be like, yes, of course, I'll get up at six o'clock in the morning to do like mm-hmm. a session for you. And and I think it's around that. It's like, no, there are certain days that I don't do calls and I do calls between this time. And if someone says, oh, can I, you know, split this call into two or do I like, I, I've got to be like, no, because I know that to keep my energy and, and stay sane while I'm doing it, I've got to have those boundaries in place. It's so important. Like we we definitely need to be mindful and protective of our energy and our boundaries, especially as introverts. I feel like every entrepreneur for sure needs to do that. But as introverts, I feel like it's even more important. Yeah, agreed. And it, it's known that it comes from not a place of you know, no, I'm not here to serve you. Like, no, I'm being awkward. It, it's not from that, but it's understanding that you say yes five times and then you burn out. You're probably letting down more people than the five people that you should have said, no, I'm sorry, that's not possible. And then you just still had the energy to carry on and, you know, and keep serving your other clients. So it's like that short-term loss, long-term gain. For sure. If you're working with clients and you aren't respecting your time, they're going to learn how to treat you through that. And then they're not going to respect your time. So if you bend over and bend the rules one time, then that's going to be the expectation at the start. You know, you want to show how awesome you are and really like dive in and help them. But if you don't set those boundaries right off the bat, they're going to continue to try to push them. I've experienced that several times. So that was really the kicker for me. I had a client that I continued to let walk all over me and do things outside of our scope of work and outside of times that I wanted to work. And I would answer emails immediately. And then they came to expect that. So I really trained them to expect that. And then that's how they treated me. I have a boundaries subcontract with clients, which I I said this on a clubhouse room a while ago, and people were DMing me on Instagram to say, (laughs) could I have a copy of this? Because just for this very reason, and especially with coaching, it can become quite codependent. And I'm here to coach people to enable them to grow and make their own decisions and empower them to do that, not to feel like they've got to ask me for every single thing. So, you know, it's a fine line. And to make sure that people don't get reliant on that constant feedback, it's really important for them to have you know, clear, this is what we do. This is the scope of my work. And these are the times that I'm available. So I have like a subcontract in in Dubsado and it's about how we communicate and what times I'm available and, you know, how many days before I will get back to you with, with certain things. And I say on it, you know, some, most of the time it will be so much quicker. And sometimes I will respond at the weekend or the evening, but it's understanding that that's at my discretion and it's not not mm-hmm. to be expected. Um, so it can seem a bit, oh, 
at first, but actually I think it's really healthy that everyone goes into the relationship knowing exactly what they're going to get and when. Yeah. And it can allow those, because you work specifically with introverts, a lot of them are probably seeing that and being like, oh, this is, I need something like this for my business (laughs) (laughs) to set these boundaries. So important though, like you say, for you know, for any entrepreneur, but especially for us. Well, this has been absolutely insightful and incredible. I love hearing you talk about mindset and obstacles because I feel like that's really a work for introverts, especially in the online space. I always say that mindset is always a work in progress, but if you continue to learn skills and tools that can help you work through mindset obstacles when they pop up, then you're winning. But every entrepreneur, I don't care what stage you're at in your business, you're going to have them reoccur from time to time for sure as you grow and scale. But having those skills will help you overcome them and not let them take over your life and your business. This has been absolutely amazing. I'm so excited that you're able to join me today. Thank you so much for inviting me. And I am just, like I say, thrilled that we're getting more and more podcasts for introverts and more and more coaches and consultants and service providers aimed at introverts because I think it's so needed for us to be understood in the online space. I was really shocked to see that one in three people are actually introverts, which is a huge portion of the population. It's huge. (laughs) It is absolutely like people think it's a a minority and it is, but only just. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And I feel like some people don't even realize maybe that they are an introvert in some ways. I even know people who are, they say that they're really extroverted in person, but online they're struggling to like connect with people and put themselves out there. So they feel like they're really introverted in the online space because it's so overwhelming and terrifying. (laughs) It is. And it's so easy to get overstimulated. And that's more of a highly sensitive trait, but I think it does apply to introverts as well. And it's something whenever I talk about being overstimulated, people message and go, yes, that's how I feel. Um, There's so much information. And As introverts, I think it's safe to say most of us like to go deep, you know, like you and I have discussed this before. We we like blog posts or podcasts, you know, we're less interested in watching a 15 second reel or, Mm -hmm. you know, listening to a training that's five minutes. One of my coaches always laughs and she's like, if it's under 20 minutes, I think it's not going to be, there's no value in it. So I'm, I'm not (laughs) interested. We, We like to go a little bit deeper. So I think that in the online space where you're just getting little snippets of information coming at you from everywhere, it can feel a little bit uncomfortable sometimes. I definitely, when you're talking about the however long Instagram reels, I can probably count on one hand how many reels I've actually watched. Like they don't, they just don't, I can't connect with them. I love no. actually reading captions that are engaging versus watching those funny little videos. I know I'm not going to be dancing and pointing at the words on the screen anytime soon. It's just, there's nothing wrong with it. And I, I love that people have got that as a creative outlet, but Mm -hmm. it's just not for me. And I'm not even going to apologize. It's a hard no. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Yeah. Hard no. Reels are hard no for me and Tara. (laughs) So I'd love for you to share where we can find you online. And we're going to have all of your links in the show notes for people to check out, but I'd love for you to share like where people can connect with you. On Instagram, I am at Emma Lou Parks. On Facebook, I have my beautiful little group that I would love you to come along and join. That's the Ambitious Introvert Network. And you can also check out the podcast, the Ambitious Introvert Podcast, and that's available on all the major podcasting platforms. 
Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining me today. This episode may have ended, but there are ways we can stay in touch until next time. You can join me at introvertpreneur.com and at theterrorread.com, where you can find tons of blog posts and resources that will also help you grow your business. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at introvertcoach, where I share more introvert-friendly and service-based business tips with you. If you love what you're hearing, drop a five-star rating and review telling me what you are loving about the podcast so that I can continue to encourage as many introverted entrepreneurs as possible. Until next time, keep using your introvert superpowers.